Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. How are we doing, church? Everybody good? Aren't you grateful for our King Jesus? Faithful friend, awesome God, everlasting Father, our healer, our restoration, our Prince of Peace. If you're in a dark spot, he's the light of the world. If you're in a rough season, he can calm the storms with one word. He's a faithful friend. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Let's celebrate. It's good to be in church. Come on, let's give it up for everybody watching online right now. Our family at a distance, we love you all. Go ahead and grab your seats. I wanna just handle a little bit of housekeeping. Normally don't do this. We already had time of announcements, but I just wanna say something I think is near and dear to my heart. Um, God, I've actually been wrestling with this. Uh, it's not even that big of a decision. It's just kind of a refocus for about six months, maybe even nine months. Um, if you've ever been, like we have a lively church. Would you agree? No, would you agree we're a lively church? Yeah, thank you. That's a little bit better. Uh, but if you've ever been to the six o'clock, the Plaza Night Service, you know it's like at another level of atmosphere and excitement. And if you think our church is young in this room in the north or in the plaza at 11, you've never seen the six o'clock. It's like the youngest church in our city. And I just had it on my heart, just even in this season, especially kind of we're regathering, we're, we're regrowing, we're gaining the momentum, and we're, we're leaning into what God wants to do next in our city. And I just have felt it in my heart that we're going to make this, this, this season from now to the end of the year, the focus of the six o'clock is going to be all about generational change. And so we're going to be branding it. Now, you're welcome to come at any age and stage of life. And I know there's a lot of people that work in the morning and that is their night service. Uh, but they, you know, a little bit of an older generation are families. We still offer full Hillsong kids. But we're going to focus on youth and young adults in KC because I really feel like there's a generation at risk. There's an opportunity for God to do something in our city that's not being done. And so I would love for you and even some of the people that are maybe a little longer in the faith, have, have grown up in the church, to be praying and believing for God to do something in that generation, youth and young adults in KC, that again has never been done before. And maybe even lean in to serving in that service as well. And we're going to just take now to the end of the year, just branding that youth and young adults so God can change a generation. I'm excited about that. Uh, really, if you look at everything we're facing as a nation, as a city, as a church, uh, I really feel like it's our children that are being impacted the most. Uh, they're feeling the tension. Some of them are going back to school. I know North Kansas City and Platt are coming back in a couple of weeks. And even next week, we're going to be praying over, particularly over our students, and we're praying over our generations in our church, believing that this semester is not wasted, that they are safe and secure, and everything that God wants to do in this season is established in their life. Can we believe for that together? Amen? Awesome. I'm going to jump right into the Word. I'll pray in just a moment, but I want to set the stage for what's on my heart on this wonderful Connect Launch Sunday. Proverbs 18, 24. Show up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One is unreliable, people you cannot count on. 
It says that you, not them, you come to ruin. Uh, the NLT, the New Living Translation says it this way. There are, and it has quotations, there are friends. How many have had some of those people in your life? How many have had some friends in your life? There are friends, in the beginning of that verse says, who destroy. Friends are supposed to be there to support. Friends are supposed to be there to encourage. Friends are supposed to be there to sharpen and engage with you. But there are some relationships, friends, that destroy. You know, last week I talked about, help me, I'm stuck. But there's, a, there's to me, a, a perspective I have. I can see someone who's new to the faith or coming alive to Christ, maybe getting back involved in church and trying to live for Jesus and one of the main ways I can tell that they will actually stay where they're at or stay stuck, even if they've surrendered fully to Jesus in this season, but they don't choose well the voices or the people that they allow close to them in their life. They never investigate the relationships that have access to their heart. And I guarantee, maybe nine times out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10, that they're gonna stay stuck unless they establish healthy relationships, new boundaries, and they get rid of what we would call, the New Living would say, friends. Just people that are around, but they aren't invested in their, in their future. See, your passion for life cannot withstand problem people if you allow full access to your heart. The community that you keep is more important than you know. They can keep you strong, or they can keep you small. They can keep you living big, or they can be a barrier to your God breakthrough. They can bring out your best, or they can bring you down. I wanna speak about destiny-defining relationships from the title and the thought of Forever Friends. Who are your friends that are gonna lead you into the forever plan, into the God future? and to the big dreams, desires, and plans, the purposes of heaven for your life, who are your forever friends. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we have a friend that's closer than a brother, that's closer than anyone else. It's you, Jesus, the one that's always there, meets us right where we're at, but grows us and changes by your radical, unending, incredible, unearned grace. Lord, we need your grace to grow. Lord, I wanna speak, not my words, but your words. As we unpack the scripture, would you unlock understanding, wisdom, discernment in our hearts of how to evaluate and investigate the relationships that we allow access to our inner world. Lord, we're called to love everybody. We're called to serve everybody. But not everybody gets to speak into our life. Help us be in discernment of people with right spirit, right hearts, so that we can do all that we're called to do. Thank you for those forever friends that will be found in church so that we can be found faithful doing what we're called to do. In Jesus' name, come on, everyone at the North, everyone online, can we say amen? amen? Forever friends. Some friends, they keep you engaged in drama, leave you feeling empty, but real friends encourage you into destiny. They love you where you're at, but they're helping you, as you help them, step into who you're called to be. Now, I grew up in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I saw Clarence up here leading, or playing the guitar, which he just moved to Tulsa, but now he's, he's back. He's the prodigal son. Um, that's great. Welcome home. We love you. Uh, never leave. Um, 
and, and for, for maybe the first seven years of my life, I was born into the buckle of the Bible belt. And my parents were ministers and leaders at an amazing church there that's still going and growing like never before. It's incredible. And, and yet, like my parents, we, we did really churchy things. We were way too saved. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Way too saved. Now, we were only allowed to listen to certain types of music because we knew if we listened to what they called secular music, it would just be moments before. I would get a couple songs in, and I would be fully pagan, worshiping Satan. Like, that was the fear. So we were allowed to listen to some music that's called CCM. Only five of you in our church know what that is. That's contemporary Christian, and I'm going to say music. And 80s, like when I was around and born, like that was the prime time of CCM. That was the birth of CCM. In fact, I don't know if it's ever gotten better or worse than the 80s. We've had like, we had Carmen, if you know Carmen. That he, yeah, he was from Tulsa too. Like that was the epicenter, Tulsa-Ruslam as I call it. Um, we had Amy Grant before she went secular. Okay, I think she's come back now. Okay, you can listen to her again. There's Michael W. Smith, and he had a song, 1982, Friends Are Friends Forever. If you do not know that song, never listen to that song. You will never listen to another Christian song again. Friends are friends forever if the Lord is the Lord of them. Have you ever heard a statement more churchy than that? If the Lord is the Lord of them. And a friend will not say never, because a welcome will not end. Though it's hard to let you go, in the, father hand, in the Father's hands we know that a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. Wow. Just too saved. But you know, my friends, my parents did something great that at the time I was frustrated by, but in reality now I'm grateful. They were very protective and selective not of anyone I would hang out with, but who we'd have close. My, my parents knew something that we see in the Bible that I, I, I kind of was, was pushing back against when I was young. And the older I got, the more I resisted. But the older I get now, the more I see how they were actually trying to safeguard me to and not, not, not put me in a bubble, not, not keep me isolated from everyone. But there were just certain friends that were allowed to come close. I remember very, my parents are watching right now, they always watch every morning, mom and dad, we love you. Um, I remember very, very often, my dad would say, when someone would come over, hey, he'd just say, hey, watch it. That kid's got a, a bad attitude. That guy's disrespectful. And my parents would still love them, that they would still be gracious towards them, but they just let me know, like, hey, be on guard. You, you don't want that in your inner world all the time. Now, we know as believers, like Jesus, we're called to be friends of sinners. We're called to bring salt and light. I, I talked to a girl in our church the other day that one of her close friends does not believe in God at all. But I just challenged her. I was like, well, do you ever even have discussions about Jesus with them? Because you could have friends that are far from God, far from faith, but they should be thinking or talking or discussing Jesus with you because it should be so important at the center of your life. But my parents watch who I was close to because they understand something that the Bible teaches, that, that relationships can contaminate or they can contribute. 
And we want to make sure that we're not ever living in a little church bubble. We're called to bring salt and light to the world around us. But even believers, even people in the same church might not carry the same spirit that you would want in your life or in your world. In the modern world we live in, everybody is connected, but almost no one is committed. People are committed mostly to self. That, that, that's real talk. Maybe I jumped in too deep right off the bat, but most people, even believers, are committed to building something for themselves. And maybe that's you, you have an opportunity to change. Maybe even today, you're gonna realize, maybe by the Holy Spirit, not by my words, that hey, I've gotta be more open to building other people, to building God's kingdom, to building the church. I can't just be focused on my little group for me. Everybody's connected, but not very many people are committed. The average Facebook user has 338 friends. The average Instagram user has 150 followers. The like button is hit every day on average 4.2 billion times. I think most of those, half of those are just by the six o'clock service at Hillsong, Kansas City. 4.2 billion times. You can know a lot of people and they might think they know you. They may be even like you, but liking and loving is different. And relationships have different levels of access granted to heart and soul. And you might be like, well, see, Pastor, this is why I fly solo. I can do me all by myself. And I'd be like, okay, listen here, Beyonce. <laughs> You're gonna need some other people in your life if you're gonna fulfill your destiny, child. Anyone get that? Come on. I worked hard on that one. I worked real hard. That's, we're gonna just close in prayer. That's as good as it's gonna get. Even the goat, Michael Jordan, needed Pippin to win some championships. But some of y'all hang out with all Rodmans. You need people that will contribute not consume. People that will encourage, not discourage. People that will add value to who you're called to be, not discount you the first time you make a mistake. The proverb here says, one who has unreliable friends. In other words, it's just about one, it's about your decision. Soon will come to ruin. That means there will be a crisis, a struggle, a problem, a failure, a season where you're hurting a moment of pain that you're gonna need someone of value, strength, and character to lean on. And if you do not have that in your world, the Bible talks about forever, over and over again, that you've gotta have this focus on who you're called to be, this God focus. If you don't have that person to rely on, and if you're not that kind of person, that's there for the difficult times, you're gonna find yourself in a struggle season. Loneliness is not the answer. Isolation is not the answer. Well, you need to understand, relationship management is life management. You become like those that you do life with. Bible is very clear that isolation leads to destruction. It leads to desolation. It, it leads to emptiness to misery and to loneliness because you were created for right relationships. I love it in Genesis chapter two, I love this from the message. God said, 
It's not good for man to be alone. I'm gonna make him a helper and a companion. I'm gonna bring him a teammate. God looked down at Adam and said, man, this is not good. What do you mean it's not good? It was perfect. It was perfect. They're, they're in the garden. He's in the garden. Adam has got a job. And, and women, if you're looking for a man, make sure, like Adam, he has a, has a job. <laughs> he has a God connection. Adam has the strongest relationship with God on the earth. Okay, it's the only relationship with God on the earth, but he is strong. He walked with God daily. He's got provision, but not fulfillment. Did God make a mistake? No. God was teaching us that as good as you might have it right now, if you're only alone, you will not have the ultimate fulfillment that he has for your future. And if Adam needed help in his life in the garden, how much more do you need help in this daily grind, in this broken world, in this busted place we're in? It's not good that you would be alone. And don't give the enemy what he wants. He wants you isolated. The Bible says the man who isolates himself is a decision that you make. It's not a personality trait. It's a decision that you make. The man that isolates himself rages against all wisdom. In other words, you're fighting against wisdom when you choose to live your life in a silo. I think about the lions when they're hunting. They're looking for that wildebeest that's straying out in the pasture. They're looking for that one that chooses to walk by themselves. And when they can pick one off from the herd, they know they're going to eat. But what we learn from Lion King is that when the wildebeest get together, they can run over Mufasa. Like they can take down their adversary because there's power and protection in having the right people around you. God uses relationships to reveal who you really are, to restore us in our broken places, to reward us with fulfillment. In the dark night of the soul, you need someone to turn the lights on. When you lose your vision for your tomorrow, because all you can see is the frustration of today, you need a friend of your future that's going to prophesy about the promises of God and who he's called you to be. If you're in a sinful struggle, you shouldn't keep it to yourself. We take it to God for forgiveness, but the Bible teaches us in the book of James that we take it to each other and we pray, and then that's where the healing happens. The forgiveness happens in heaven when it meets earth in God's grace, but the healing happens in relationship. You're only strong when you're committed with the right relationships. Ecclesiastes 4 says, there is a man all alone. He didn't have a son, or in any words, he didn't have a legacy. He wasn't doing anything for the future. He didn't have a brother. He didn't have someone who was in it with him in the moment. And there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content. It says, with all his wealth. In other words, he's made it successful, but because he's not passing it on to another person, he's not bringing somebody up, and he's not walking with somebody else, there's no end to his struggle. We need to redefine success. Success is not the things that you gather and gain for yourself. It's the investment you make in another generation, and it's the relationships that you're walking with in life right now. What good is success if I'm stuck all alone? I read this sad story this week. There there was this Hollywood actress 
Uh, she was like a Hollywood starlet and, and a pinup and like the, the life of the party in like the glory days of Hollywood. Uh, her name was Yvette and she was living in Beverly Hills and she, she had made it. Uh, she had unsuccess, an unsuccessful marriage but with successful men. And, and she was the center of attention in her own little world. Till one day, a neighbor finally realized that she hadn't seen her in a little bit and her mail was stacking up and they went and investigated and looked and she was found there dead all alone. Here's the sad part. She had been dead. She was actually mummified because she'd been dead for well over a year. Right in the middle of what we would call success, Beverly Hills, like the, 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 the premier place to position yourself, position your life. And when they began to investigate her demise, they found out she had actually been in contact with lots of people. None of them, they checked her phone records, none of them were family, friends, or neighbors. They were all fans of hers that she met online. People that remembered her fame, but did not know her pain. I feel like we live in a world where we celebrate the celebrity. We look for someone that's flashy or famous or seems like they have it all together and we're there for the good times, but we're not there for the struggle seasons. Look, we're in a masked world, literally and figuratively. People have a protection on an isolation on. They don't want to show you who they really are. Nor should you be the person that's always bleeding on everybody else. But what we should be doing in right relationships, I think found in the local church, friends of your future, there's a place where you can take the mask off. There's a place where you can open up your heart. And in doing that, what you think is a negative because what people might think of you, the people that really know Jesus and then still love you by the grace of God are going to actually grow you up into your call to be. We all have issues. We all have mess. We need someone that will be willing to walk with us, maybe even get the hazmat suit on and help us work out some of the garbage that could be in our marriage in our parenting, in our thoughts, in our words, in our life. Someone who turns a blind eye to your issues is not a friend, that's a fan. And we like to surround ourselves with fans because they make us feel good. But if we're going to be great in God's kingdom, we have intimate God relationships centered around Jesus and our calling with the people that we're doing life with y'all real quiet. I know online they're cheering and they're loud, but in here it's a little bit quiet today. Friendships are built over time, just like trust is earned in seasons. You need someone that would be there for your empty times, not just your full. I think about Jesus when he called out to Peter, Peter to cast his net again on the other side. Simon Peter and his brother Andrew did what Jesus said, and guess what? We know they caught the most they've ever caught a boat sinking, net busting load. And it says immediately, they called out to their friends to come and to help them. And by obeying Jesus, they had a portion they couldn't even handle for themselves. They needed other people to come around and to share in the blessing. And yet some of you only have the net full friends that aren't there when the net's empty. And some of you are only net full friends 
that show up when things are good? Can we be the kind of people? Can we be the kind of church? Can we build the kind of community that's there for the good and the grind? It's there for the blessing and the baggage. They were there for both. These net full friends. Some of you just have Netflix friends. Netflix friends, that's another sermon for another time. Proverbs 27, verse 19, a mirror reflects a man, as a mirror reflects a man's face, but who he really is is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. It's a choice. Who you really are is seen by the people you do life with. Cliche as it is, I think it's so true. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You are going to become like the total, some total of the people that you're doing life with. Not everybody has to have everything together because guess what? None of us do but we're headed in the same direction. We're believing the same things about God and destiny. We're leaning into the grace of God. We're loving the word of God. We're honoring the house of God. We're doing some things the same. And yet most of us will pick our friends by hobbies or just by the matter of fact that we like them or we like how they make us feel. And I understand that's a great starting place. But if that's the only place that we get to, that's a shallow place. And it will not secure the strength that you're going to need, that we're going to need to truly become everything we're called to be in Christ. You have to evaluate who you engage with. Who do I want to be? Who am I called to be? If you're the smartest person in the room, you need a better room. If you're the spiritual giant in your community, you need to get with some other giants of the faith. And I would challenge you, if you're the one who always has the Bible answer, when's the last time you led someone to Jesus? When's the last time you brought someone to church? When's the last time you challenged someone to sacrifice and to serve and to step into the more that God has? Don't be enamored with Bible knowledge. Be enamored and lean into people with kingdom power and walking in the very best of heaven for their life. I know this to be true because this is the story of my life. Uh, a long time ago, 20, 2000, 20, 2001, uh, I had friends like thick as thieves. And literally, we used to steal things from time to time. <laughs> I, I went to high school, a few of them were a few years older than me. And then we all went to the same college right across the street from my high school. So like we, we just moved this little pack that we had across the street. We hung together, we, we dormed together, we shared apartments together, we even all worked at the same place together. Everything together, played sports together, had fun together. We stuck together, but God was working in my heart. None of these guys were overtly bad or, or evil, but we had just gotten so common with just the way we were living, and God was calling me to follow him. And I knew in my heart, and a talk with my dad, I had a Thanksgiving of 2001. I knew if I was going to change, I would need to move. I, I just knew the influence. And so I chose to move. I moved halfway around the, apart, uh, halfway around the, the nation and enrolled in a new school. I went from all the friends I've ever had to no friends at all. And I don't think that's wise or healthy, except for in that season, I just made friends with this thing. I made friends with the Holy Spirit again after not listening or praying to him or asking God to speak in a long, long time. From there, I moved again to Sydney, Australia. I went to Hillsong College. And in that place, I met real friends of my future. 
the executive vice president, Lee Burns, great friend of our church there at Hillsong College, JD from United, guys that I still do life with to this day. And they opened me up to a bigger world. I saw what church could be and what we could do. And God, he began to use that to orchestrate my divine assignment, which I think led me to Liz, that led me to here. And I'm not saying it's all connected to that, because then we have a mentality that if we make one mistake or stay in one season too long, that we're going to miss it. I don't believe that at all. I think God's grace and mercy is new every single day. But what I am saying is I'm so grateful that I decided to distance myself for a season. It wasn't even about them. It was about me. The cool thing is that all those friends still love God. They've all come back around. Many of them work in church. Many of them are pastors now. And that was unrelated to me following God, but I knew I had to make a change. And from there, my, my life is forever changed. I don't know if this church would be here if we didn't make that change in looking and engaging with who I was doing life with. I know for a fact we would not be Hillsong Church here in Kansas City if I didn't make that change. I wonder what destiny-defining breakthrough moments are in your future when you get friendships with people with right spirit, right heart. We quit looking at camaraderie. We start listening and leaning into calling. And when we do that, I think God opens doors that no man can open. God aligns destinies and secures futures that you can't have on your own. The world says, if you like them, be friends with them. We've got to have a higher level of criteria. The Bible says there is a friend that's closer, it says. Not like a brother, closer than a brother. In other words, it's stronger than even family. A friend of your faith, a friend of your future. One that steps up like a brother. One that protects you like a big brother would. One that you lean into and encourage like a little brother as well. One that will stand with you no matter what you face. And I'm just here to tell you, not all your friends have to be found at Hillsong Church, but friends of your future will be found in this place. They'll be found in your connects. They'll be found in lining your life with the same mission and vision and values of this church. First Peter chapter four, the end of all things is near. How many feel like that's more true today than it was back then? The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Come on, how many know no one's gonna be perfect? No one's gonna have it all together. People are gonna have seasons of struggle, have a slump, have a setback in their life. We're gonna love Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Others, we're gonna serve each other. Each one should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve the others. In other words, it can't be you at the center of attention trying to build your own world. No, we're blessing, loving, encouraging others. But please understand, it teaches us there that all people should be loved biblically. We're gonna love everybody. All people should be valued equally. We think people matter and they're important whether they're believers or not. In fact, unbelievers, we should think they matter so much that we would love to share our faith with them. But not everyone, when it comes to access to your heart, is treated the same. Some relationships need to be treated differently. What does that mean? You gotta learn to put the right people in the right place. Some of you, you have no one in a place of protection or correction or encouragement in your life. You're that first group I was talking about. You're setting yourself up for desolation and destruction. 
Some of you, you don't have anyone who disagrees with you. When you do something wrong or say something out of line, they have a blind eye to that. Guess what? That's not a friend of your future. You gotta learn to put people in the right place. Am I talking about favorites? Yeah. I'm talking about favorites for your future. Jesus did this. Jesus had thousands that followed. At one moment, he sends out 72 to minister on his behalf. Then he's got the 12 in his posse, in his honorage, and then he has the three that he takes with him for times of glory, the Mount of Transfiguration, and for times of gut check, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus chose relationships with intention. How much more should you? Love is freely given. Inner world access must be earned. Listen, we want to be authentic with everyone, but you got to learn to be transparent with people that earn trust. How do we earn? How do people earn this access? It can't be feelings only. Feelings, feelings can be fake. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else. In fact, if someone just always makes you feel good when you know you're not growing, you might want to take a moment and just be on alert that they might be a wonderful, incredible person, love them deeply, serve them sacrificially, honor them for who they are, but you probably need someone who comes in your life every once in a while. Like the Bible says, like iron sharpens iron, they're making you better. They're not allowing you to stay lethargic. They're not allowed to stay in isolation or separation. They're actually encouraging you to lean into the more that God has prepared for you. They earn access over time through attention. Paul did this, Philippians chapter two. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares to the church in Philippi, genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves. But you know how Timothy has what? Proven himself. You've seen how he's kept showing up when it wasn't fun or popular or easy. He's proven himself. Friends of your future need a fruit check. You need to be a produce investigator, a produce inspector. Do they have Jesus-like fruit of the Spirit in their life? Do they always have the right answer for everything? Is there any humility? Is there a spirit of peace? Are they always stirring up drama and discord You've got to fruit check them. Are they going the same place you're wanting to go? Do they have the spirit in them, on them, that you would want in you and on you? In other words, do they just talk the talk but don't walk the walk? Listen, it's powerful. Fruit inspection is done seasonally, every season. Harvest happens every season. So they might have been a friend yesterday, but are they still producing fruit in you, through you today? They might be faithful, and I'm all about loyalty, but we also have to be loyal to God is leading us to be. And it doesn't mean that you kick them out of your world or your life, no. It means you might renegotiate the boundaries that you allow. If the fruit has been a little contaminated lately, you might investigate and maybe even for a moment isolate to see where do they grow? What do they produce in me? Does it help me 
or is it hurting me? I think about King Saul and David. It was actually a beautiful relationship at first. It was mutually beneficial. David played the harp and lyre, and Saul had settled his heart. Saul brought him into a bigger world. He got out of the pasture and into the palace. He became, in 1 Samuel 16, Saul said, hey, don't send them home. Keep them with me. He's going to be my armor bearer. I like this kid. There's something good in this kid. And it was mutually beneficial. And then chapter 18, two chapters later, Saul is throwing a spear at him. Saul's trying to pin him against the wall. What changed between 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 18? Well, 1 Samuel 17, David defeats Goliath. David is stepping in to his moor. David is rising up to his God calling. And before, Saul was okay with it because he met a need in his life. And he didn't, like, he wasn't worried about David stealing his attention, so he gave him his affection. Saul throws spears, but former friends throw shade. Where you used to be just like them, but you're stepping into the more, they try to pull you down to who you used to be. I know I'm preaching to somebody today. They try to pin you back. You got out of a lifestyle that was fast and furious, and you're going towards all that God has called you to be, and all of a sudden, because they have made decisions not to grow, they have made decisions to maybe have pride and keep their problems either hidden or not let God go to work on them, all of a sudden they start diminishing your destiny and your calling. When it comes to friends, some seasons are more significant than others. And if you are in a step up and secure your God calling season, this message is so, so essential to your future. The greater the investigation of engagement is needed, the more you know God's called you to grow. You guys get anything out of this today? Sometimes, listen, you gotta choose who you lose. You gotta choose who you lose. 1 Corinthians 15, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. One translation says every time. I'm always amazed when like an all-star athlete, you normally see it in the NFL and the NBA because it's such a team sport. A guy who's so gifted, but has such a toxic attitude that one team takes him off another team's plate and problem, thinking that the gift will, will be better fit here only to find out that that toxicity comes with them. I mean, I saw it just even yesterday. There is an all-star, probably a Hall of Fame player that's on a, a team, a rival team of the Chiefs. I'm not gonna say who it is, but they're in Baltimore. And uh, I told the staff, I said, hey, this guy's so good, but he's so crazy. That him joining that team is actually better for us because he's gonna tear that team apart. And I prophesied against our AFC enemies in Jesus' name. All jokes aside, it's true. He's, he's corrupting the culture because talent doesn't replace toxicity. It actually magnifies the issues. Proverbs 12, the righteous chooses their friends carefully. Don't let a relationship cost you your calling, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I'm out of time, but I got really quickly. This is what you're looking for. This is what you're looking for for a forever friend. Really quickly, write this down. They're connected for kingdom, not camaraderie, not just fun times. They're connected for kingdom. 
I think about in Hebrews 11, it says that Abraham was looking forward to a city whose foundation was eternal, whose builder and architect was God himself. He wasn't looking just for what he could get on the earth. He was looking for the eternal. He was looking for the, the heavenly thing. And I write all of Hebrews 11. It talks about all these amazing men and women of faith. And at the end of it, it calls them aliens. That they just don't stick in with the world like everybody else. In the same way, you don't want someone that looks just like everybody else. You maybe need someone who's a little weird in their life because they're so passionate about the purposes of heaven. They're looking to the eternal. Kingdom is number one in their life. And they might not fit in with the world, but guess what? They're gonna change the world. Forever friends are committed to calling. Like Ruth said to Naomi, hey, wherever you go, I go. Whatever God calls you to, I'm there. I'm not looking out for my own self-interest. I'm committed to standing with you for all that God has. It says in Ephesians, this is why as people of faith, we find our fit in our flow in this church, this family of faith. You need someone, if they're gonna be a forever friend, that is con they're, they're contagious in their courage. You feel stronger when you're around them. You're not questioning your commitment to life, loving God. You're not questioning your commitment to, to serving. You're not questioning your commitment to, to, to living selflessly, sacrificial life, building church. You're not questioning your commitment. You're encouraged in your commitments because they have, forever friends have a contagious that's a contagious courage that, that gets on you. They call you out to who you're called to be, not hold you back to who you used to be. Hebrews says, let's not for, lose this habit of some have getting together, encouraging one another, all the more as we see the day approaching. Hey, don't miss out on what happens, the beauty, the mystery, when we get our divine assignments, not everyone trying to be like me, but all of us trying to be like Christ in this church. And when we do that together, there's something beautiful that happens. We're gonna make a difference, not just in the here and now, but in the eternal things. You need a, like, you need a Joshua and a Caleb in your life. The only two that walked into destiny, into the promised land. They were courageous enough to stare down all the voices of negativity and says, no, God can do what he says he'll do. We're going in with you or without you. We are courageous. Our words silence the storm and the negativity of the enemy. You need someone like that speaking into your heart, speaking into your spirit, speaking into your world. The good news is if you don't have these friends, you're gonna find them and you're gonna find them right here, right now. I believe that. You won't find them immediately. You won't find them overnight, but you're gonna find them in this season. I believe God has done what the enemy always means to separate, social distancing. I think God's actually gonna use for spiritual strengthening. That we now see more clearly than ever that stuff doesn't matter like we thought it does. That this life we were trying to live, even the American dream isn't what we thought it was. That there's a kingdom calling so much greater than what we used to live for, man. We're giving that back to God and say, God, what am I called to do with my life? What's the mission that you've made me for? And you might just be one friendship away from changing your destiny. The greatest joy 
and the greatest pain come from the same thing, relationships. And if you want more joy, joy is not just happy. Joy is a satisfaction of the soul, knowing you are and becoming everything Jesus has called you to be, that he's with you no matter what's against you. And that is forged with intimacy, first and foremost with Jesus himself, but in collaboration and connection with the people of God right around you. Greatest joy and greatest pain come from the same thing, relationships, why it is so important for your future. I wanna pray for those online, those in the room, those that really need healing in their hearts. But more than anything, I wanna pray and lead you in a moment of prayer for those that need a relationship with the greatest of friends. Come on, if you're watching online, if you've never given your heart completely to Jesus, now is the moment, this is the time. The Bible says, Jesus says there's like, there's friends that are good, and then there's a friend unlike any other friend that will lay his life down for you. That's a friend unlike any other, that's a friend we have in Jesus. If you're here in the room, watching online right now, and you have not given your heart completely to Jesus, can we just bow our heads and close your eyes, and you need that forever friend in your life. We're gonna pray a prayer all together. If that's you, even online, you can let us know, either on YouTube or whatever you're streaming this on, but when you're in the room right now, you need a fresh start with Jesus, can you just raise your hand and say, hey, Pastor Kyle, that's me. I see your hand in the back, I'm so proud of you. There's two of you. Anyone else wanna join in? Three, that's awesome, that's awesome. If you're online right now, let's all pray together. Come on, church, say this with me. Say, thank you, God, that you call me friend. I was once far from you, separated by sin. You took that burden on your own back. You paid for it on the cross. There's no one like you. That's why I make you my king. I turn from my old life. I give you access granted to the deepest part of my heart. Change me, grow me. I believe from today on, my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate those that lifted their hand and those that are online? I love you, church.